at least in my own life, where I've felt the most distress is when I felt like I had to be this or this, instead of saying, man, I can be a person of faith who also um, wants to grieve well with people and not minimize their suffering or that kind of thing. So that, or um, wow, this with a client, like wow, this thing that happened to you is hor- is horrible. And um, how do we move on while also acknowledging this thing that happened is horrible? So I think that's what I mean by integration. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Jill Phillips is a singer-songwriter and the star of the Gullahorn Happy Hour, along with her husband, Andy Gullahorn. She's also a marriage and family therapist and really just one of my favorite people to talk to. She'll soon be releasing a new album called Deeper Into Love, a collection of songs that take a journey through grief, healing, and redemption. In this episode, Jill and I talk about the gap between the truth and how it feels, integration and disintegration, and going boldly into the house of grief. Jill Phillips, I'm so happy that you're on the Habit Podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. It's so good to be with you. And I'm also very excited about uh, your new EP, Deeper Into Love, that's coming out uh, probably about the time yeah. this, I don't know when it's coming out. I'm a little vague on that. Are you vague on that? I am also vague on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the, the pleasure of being an independent artist. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah. It's going to have a staggered release. <laughs> <laughs> um you have said this is a, a, a EP that walks the journey of grief and uh, healing and redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know one of the songs and, and these songs, you've, you've, most of them you've been performing a, a good bit for a while. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, this is, I haven't done a project in five years. So um, I think, well, I don't know if that's fully true. I need to think about that. I can't remember when Lead Me Home happened. And then that was, um, you know, gospel music. But of my yeah. original stuff, it's been a while because I went yeah. back to grad school and all of that. So some of these songs are, you know, several years old. Some uh-huh. of them were finished right before the EP. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I've been, uh, I've been thinking about one of the lines um, from, uh, from the song Love is a Long Game that seems to me it's it sort of um, it, it, it makes me think of, of a lot of songs you've written through the years. Um, and, and the line goes somewhere between the truth and how it feels, there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's that gap between the truth and how it feels. It seems like you've, you've spent a lot of time there and you've, you've written about that a lot and it's been productive for you. Um, I don't, I would hope it's been productive. <laughs> Maybe I write about it a lot because I'm stuck on it. I don't know. Um, I, I wonder if the gap between the truth and how it feels is like what it is to be human. You know, yeah. if there's something about just writing about humanity um, in this life, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe there's always a little bit of a gap between the truth and how it feels. And then we have these moments of clarity that are gifts. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we're muddling through and then we, you know, maybe that's the cycle. Yeah. And, and, you know, the writer, whether you're a songwriter or a poet or a prose writer or whatever, it seems is, you know, one of our jobs is to, when the gap closes a little bit, <laughs> to give words to it. Yes. Know? Yes. Um, 
to, to remind us, this is what I, I know this is what it feels like, but this is what's true. Yes. And, um, I, I think I've, I've, that's one thing I've loved about your music for a long time is that it's, it's really good at, at doing that. Thank you and, so much. I really uh, appreciate sort of, that. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been thinking some lately about the idea that, you know, objective truth and subjective experience. That's not just, it's not like some people believe in objective truth and some people believe in sub, subjective truth. It's like we all know that there's truth that, it's just true whether we feel it or not or know it or not or can see it or not. It's just, there's yeah. just truth. But that doesn't change the fact that, that our, the way we experience truth or the way we feel about truth or whatever is, is it changes all the time. That is so true. And I think maybe a lot of the distress comes when those things are fragmented, when they're compartmentalized and fragmented, you know, like in therapy work, a healing from trauma or anything is about integration. It's about the both mm-hmm. and, and, um, and so maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's an attempt um, to integrate those two realities of being human um, yeah. instead of feeling distressed that there are these two things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't even you, know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> I think it does. And, and it, it, you know, you, when you speak of, you said in, in therapy work, whatever, you, you are a therapist besides mm-hmm. being a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. That's um, a new thing. Yeah. yeah past right. Five years. Yeah. <laughs> In the last five years, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went back to, to grad school. Um, I think it was five years ago now, six years ago, maybe. Uh-huh. And um, I've been sitting with clients for about, I guess, about three years now. Yeah. So what can you say about the relationship between your experience as a therapist and your experience as a person who does also does creative work? Hmm. Um. I've thought about this a lot and I'm sure there's more, more to be learned as I continue in this job. I think one thing that's really similar is both people are paying attention, the artist and the therapist, you know, you really have to be paying attention. Um, They're both kind of jobs that at their best can sort of be in the living in the deep end of life. Mm, Um, You know, you're having to hold space for beautiful things and hard things and all that. where they feel really different is ideally in music at the end of the day, you do all that and people are like, yay, good job. (laughs) And as a therapist, not so much. Sometimes they they don't recognize you in the grocery store. Yeah. Or they hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get more to the point. (laughs) So it's really, uh, they're really different in that way. Wow. You said at, at its best, you're living in the deep end of life. Mm-hmm. I I would think that, correct me if I'm wrong, that as a counselor, as a therapist, you're at the deep end of life, whether it's at its best or not at its best, right? Isn't that just where you always live as a counselor? Or do I have that wrong? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, I think, I guess what I mean is like anything can be um, made into uh platitudes or Mm -hmm. fixes or Mm -hmm. the commercialization of something, anything, even Uh therapy, um, music, all of that. But I think in their purest forms, they're both really um, meant to be about paying attention and living in those deep places. Yeah. And as you said, integrating. And integrating. Yep. And I think that is one thing that's really helped me kind of from music into this work is, um, Artists are, 
I think at their best, integrating things all the time. Mm -hmm. They're going, wow, look at that. That reminds me of this. And that also reminds me of this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really helped me as a therapist just to be constantly going, oh, where does that remind me of this and this and this? And instead of being into in one lane, just going, wow, I love that family systems remind me of this about the Enneagram. And then it overlaps with this around trauma work and Mm -hmm. just integrating all of it is really interesting to me. Yeah. That's the nature of metaphor, isn't it? Uh, You know, here's this thing over here that reminds me of this thing over here. And and those things can shake hands at least for a little while. Yeah. I love that. So I think that helps, you know, being in that kind of practice for so many years. Yeah. You, we've been, we've mentioned the word integrate several times uh, but I'm not sure, but could you speak to what you even mean by, I'm not sure we're even clear yeah. about what you mean by integrating it as, as distinct from disintegration. Sure. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of how, I don't even know that I'm the best person to explain it, but I can tell you what it looks like for me is, um, you know, somewhere on this, <laughs> I'm, I'm all nerding out here, but somewhere on this continuum between like rigidity and chaos. Uh There's this beautiful, like in between in the middle, that's like, um, structure with flexibility or, um, you know, that sort of thing, holding these seemingly disparate things like in bright sadness, the song from my EP, how do you, um, be a person who doesn't minimize sorrow and also is full of hope. Mm -hmm. I've just find that, you know, those paradoxes are, are very much a part of us. And at least in my own life where I've felt the most distress is when I felt like I had to be this or this instead of saying, man, I can be a person of faith who also um, wants to grieve well with people and not minimize their suffering or that kind of thing. So that, or um, wow, this with a client, like this thing that happened to you is is horrible. And um, how do we move on while also acknowledging this thing that happened is horrible? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I mean by integration. One thing I've, I've said before, and I think I've said to you before about your uh, your songs is that you um, the 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 way you write about the world reminds us that it is it's in the brokenness of the world that's that's where grace works. Right, it's the only place grace works is is where we need grace you know where we need mercy and where we don't need mercy mm-hmm. you know where we don't feel disintegration or where we don't feel uh where we feel all right that's not a place where grace comes to do its work yeah that's beautiful i've not thought of it like that before but that makes sense yeah um and again as i've been thinking about you know it makes so much sense to me after knowing your, you know, your work and your life for so long that you're a therapist now. That makes just perfect sense. That's so kind. <laughs> it was probably more of a surprise to me than it was to, I had a number of people tell me that. I was like, wow, yeah. it really took me by surprise. I wish y'all told me sooner. <laughs> you thought you were a rock star in terms of... I just love doing both. I really yeah, love yeah. doing both. They feel... Um, they feel nice and complimentary to each other. And Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Another uh, line that, that I've, you know, really been pondering, you know, from, from this new EP um, is that, that refrain, I will go boldly into the house of grief. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I, I, what a great idea, you know, in a, in an EP that's about, as you said, grief and healing and, uh, and redemption. Can you tell me about that, that sure. idea of going boldly into the house of grief and, and what it, what it means, yes. where it came from, whatever. Yeah. I wish I could take credit for that line, but I heard it on a podcast. Um, a woman who is a chaplain at national parks Really? And oh, she what? was being interviewed on The Moth. And this was years ago. It was after um, there was a death. from Maine? That sounds right. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, and, I think I remember uh, the, the, the person. I don't remember her saying House of Group being as I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Well, it must have just stood out to me because it's been years. And I actually haven't gone back to listen to the podcast. Um, but in a while. But we had just experienced a loss in our community that was really um, significant some about six years ago. And we were really sad and we were on this road trip and listening to this, listening to the moth. And this woman started talking about her work. Um, it was before I had gone back to school to be a therapist, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how people always ask her, how can you be a chaplain and do this? How can you sit with people you know, in their accidents, how can you sit with people in this great grief? And mm-hmm. uh, she said, well, it's, you know, it's because I've been there and I've, I've experienced it and I've been through that and I don't fear it anymore. And then she said at the end, um, I can go boldly into the house of grief because I just know it's love and death or love squaring up against its oldest enemy, death. And after all this time, I know that love gets the last word. Wow. And I just love squaring up against his oldest enemy, you said? Yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Which is death. And then she said, and I know that after all this time, love gets the last word. And so she can go boldly in. And I thought, man, um, that phrase just always stuck with me. And I've thought of it many times since, you know, when people are like, how can you do this work? How can you sit in these hard stories? Or, Uh and I just thought, well, because I've, I've been through hard and also I have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought she said it beautifully and I, I just always thought I wanted to write a song about that. Yeah. You, I think it's the same, it has to be the same, the same song. The line is, is about love gets last word. And then you said the last word is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, yeah, I think it's in, I referenced it in two songs actually intentionally. Uh-huh. I did it in house of grief and also in love is a long game. Uh-huh. I put that line in both of them. Cause I, at the time I thought one would start the record and one would end the record. Uh-huh. Um, so I wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The last word was good, but almost the first word was good too. Right. When God yeah. created the world, he said, this is good and this is good. And this is very good. See, this so is why I need you. I need you for all the theological stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're like sandwiched between a good word and a good word, but we're still here in the here in the in the valley. Here we here. are. Little, There's the both end, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Um. Okay, what? Let me see if if we're ready to talk about Gullahorn Happy Hour yet. Yeah, I need to ask you about Gullahorn Happy Hour. That's sure. it's one of the, the the great things to come out of the pandemic. I think is, <laughs> is Gullahorn Happy oh, Hour. Oh man, it's still um, we we had one last night. Andy said it was episode seventy three. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess there may be some listeners who don't, who don't know what Gullahorn Happy Hour is. So, so maybe you can tell yes. us. Yes. It's really just an online show that's free that we do on my husband, Andy Gullahorn's Instagram and Facebook page. Um, it was his idea, as all fun things are. <laughs> um, other than karaoke, which is usually my idea, and that is also fun. But he, um, he came up with this idea in the pandemic, and I think it was more just about staying connected. There was no ambition for it. There was no other, yeah. other than just, hey, we can't do shows. Here we are stuck. What I can give is music mm-hmm. um, to light the darkness. Let's just do some free shows. And we started doing like three a week. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, slowly had to pare it down to like one and then one like biweekly when travel came back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's become a community. We were so surprised. I mean, I was just so surprised. We get emails from people like, hey, now I'm friends with so-and-so. I met oh, them for lunch or, um, you know, they're like teasing each other and yeah. becoming friends in their own community. It's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. I have never attended one live actually, but I've watched the recordings and it, it is so fun to see the the interactions between the uh, you know, y'all and, and the, in the audience and or, you know, whatever you call it. It's it so much fun. It really yeah. is so much fun. We've, we've just grown to love it. Um, I, I think it surprised both Andy and I, because we both tend to underestimate, um, probably ourselves and anything. And so <laughs> the fact that it would go on and, and continue like this has been a real delight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it's such a neighborly little thing to do, I think. It really is. I think and it, it feels very congruent with who we are and very much mm-hmm. who Andy is. And he's got the games going on. Like if you've mm-hmm. never seen it before, he's got always Instagram playing Facebook and <laughs> he's very competitive. And so he just yeah. loves it. He loves everything. He always comes up with these ridiculous family feud questions. And Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask. So I know you play family feud at Gullahorn happy hour. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, do you, is like, is there some sort of, uh, family feud game you can get cards with survey questions on them there is and okay. even one of our um one of our listeners got so annoyed with the old box questions that they sent us the new one. Oh, really about that and then sometimes andy will just make up his own and he'll do like a survey on <laughs> instagram he'll just make up a you know who's the greatest andy or something like that and then get all the <laughs> answers and compile them and we'll do that Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, how do you, I, I've been a little vague also on how you compete Instagram against Facebook. It just means you, you have two different windows two different up on phones. your screen and you see which one is. Two different phones. It's really uh-huh. that high tech. We've tried so many other things. Like he tried getting really high tech with cameras and lights and all this, but the best service and the best picture every time was just his phone on one stand, my phone on the other stand. So mm-hmm. one of them is Facebook and one of them is Instagram. Okay, that okay, that's that's, that's really it. Funny. That's his, that's the extent. He even tried doing a fancy light, and people were like, "What's weird?" So he just <laughs> turned it off, and he's like, "All right, just straight to the phone." Oh, that's so funny. Uh, yep. Okay, so you, you're reco- I see you're we're live. So Instagram live, Facebook live on one. One signed in on this phone. One signed in on this phone, and so the 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 comments come in in real time and he's watching this one and I'm watching this one. Oh, that's okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> I did not know it was that goofy. Yeah. It's that goofy. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's this listeners. If you don't attend uh, Gullahorn happy hour, you, you really should. 
We've got a Christmas one coming up. I think it's the Monday before the week of Christmas where we're going to do all your Christmas requests. We usually wear like, you know, ugly sweaters, the whole deal. So come on and join us. It's free. (laughs) Just hop on Instagram or Facebook live. Okay. All right. We'll have to to check that out for sure. Um. It's yet another sort of neighborly act by, by the Gullahorns. And, and uh, I, I love your, I guess I, I should have, and you've already touched on this. You are Jill Phillips Gullahorn. Yes. And Andy, so in real life, you're the Gullahorn. Gullahorn. That's right. And in your professional life, you're, you're Jill Phillips. And I have, uh, life, yeah. I've told this story in other contexts, but I've never said it on my own podcast. So I'm going to tell this story now. And you know what story is coming up. Jill, that one day I was listening to a Jill Phillips CD and um, my son, who was, I think about 11 at the time he came by and uh, he, he knew about Jill Phillips. He knew about Ms. Gullahorn and he looked at the CD cover and says, <laughs> Jill Phillips looks so much like Ms. Mrs. Gullahorn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, They're the same person. Didn't you, you didn't realize that. <laughs> His mind is like, what? <laughs> that lady who's been giving me snacks in the kitchen? What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I know that has made me laugh so many times. Yeah. Um, Integration, and, uh, but, right? What's that? Integration. That's right. There you go. It's <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Because you've got this life. I mean, the the music that you do, the 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 work you do is, is coming straight out of this life where you are yep. a neighbor. A hundred percent. And a, and a mom and a, and a friend. And a friend. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that's where all the, for me, those two, maybe that's another, we're going to, we're going to exhaust the word integration, but it's like, to me, those two things can't be disconnected. And I think that's where artists and therapists and everything else we can, people, we can really go wrong is when we try to disconnect those two things. Mm. Um, that feeds like what I'm learning in life and my relationships feeds the music, um, feeds the work. If it doesn't, I'm like, I'm just all disconnected, you know, mm-hmm. and all, yeah, just all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember one time uh, I attempted to do a sad stories told but laughs interview with you and you were so well integrated and, uh, and healthy that you didn't have any, uh, really, uh, outlandish stories to tell about your career as you know you didn't oh, have gosh, this- I can't believe that I feel like I would totally have stories now I mean well you, I mean you had some stories but but they nothing you know, they usually ended with, but you know you have to really remember I was just really lucky to get to do this at all like <laughs> that's not the spirit of sad stories told for laughs supposed to be just I, I think I could go head. there more today I could feel way more sorry for myself <laughs> <laughs> Well, I should have called you for my revival of Sad Stories Talk. Yeah, call me now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next summer. Totally. Um, all right. Well, I've got, I've got one more question for you, and that yeah, is, sure. who are the writers who make you want to write? Hmm. Gosh, it's so, it's so seasonal. I've, there are people that are, have consistently been inspiration to me over the years. Um, those people are... Amy Mann is one of my favorite songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I love about her is she, her, her songs are so understandable. And I think that's really amazing. Um, they're so relatable. 
they're so hard to write and yet so simple. Um, you, I, I never have difficulty tracking where she's going, but yet I know, gosh, that had to be a really hard song to write. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, I love, um, I'm really inspired by people who make beautiful music that also has great lyrics. I think I've realized that about myself. I'm As a songwriter, I know I should just say I'm only inspired by lyrics or whatever, mm-hmm. but the music really matters to me just as much. And if it yeah, moves yeah. me, um, and so if a song has great lyrics, but it doesn't like sound good or feel good in my body, I'm not, not that interested. Yeah. And I think David Mead does that really well. I think Rufus Wainwright does that really well. Um, I think Neil Finn does that really well. Uh-huh. Well, you're not sure if you're moved more by the lyric or the sound. Yeah. I, I love music like that. Yeah. I, and, you know, I don't have any language for even talking about that except in completely mysterious terms i'm I'm always amazed by i mean songwriters who can even know what to say about right to to me it's i i just don't even have the vocabulary for it and i i I love that that stuff that i I don't know how to talk about that intangible there's an intangible to it i think i'm also intangible is it as intangible to you as it is to somebody like me you think i think so you think so I really do. I so mean, you I see, think, you see Rufus Wainwright do something. You think that really moved me, but I don't know how. I mean, maybe I have some more technical language for it because it's in my field. But still, at the end of the day, it's all mystery, isn't it? Even when a song <laughs> is given to us, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how I had a song today, but I didn't yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that right. feels really mysterious. Like mm-hmm. I told Andy, the last song that was written on for this EP is "Prison of the Past," and I knew what I wanted to write. I knew that I wanted, I wanted it to say prison of the past. I knew what I wanted to write it about. I knew what it, I wanted it to sound like, mm-hmm. but it was only on one particular day that I was like in the shower and the chorus came to me in the full. Uh. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to make that happen. I was just open and interested. But yesterday I was, it wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's fascinating to me. I, I was reading in uh, Joseph Pieper's book, Only the Lover Sings. Have you ever read that book? No. It's a great book. But he talks about the idea that, now I'm going to get it wrong, but basically it's true that the that the, the work can't happen without us, but it kind of happens without us. <laughs> I, I agree. I totally agree. It's so humbling, isn't it? It keeps you... Yeah. Um, yeah, it it keeps you having to be connected with the creator, I think, because yeah. it's like, wow, he is partnering with me and using me. And there is something of myself that I'm bringing to this. I don't want to undervalue myself, but also, mm-hmm. yeah, why today and not yesterday? It's it's very mysterious. Yeah. He puts it in, in, in terms of being in a, in a posture of openness to receive. I like that. You know, and so we've got to be there. We've got to show up to receive. Yep. And but yet it's, it's, it's a posture of reception, not... I'm going to, if I work just a little bit harder, I can make this. I love so, that. Sometimes you have to work a little harder. I don't know. It's, it's, all, it's, it's, it's a mystery I coming. In. It is a dance. It is a strange dance. Yeah. Um, I love, I love how that is said that that makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, uh, I really am grateful that you leave yourself open to receive and, and that you've received such so many beautiful things through the years. So 
Thank you so up. much. And so much. Love the way that you're integrating all this together, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> now that I said that, I'm like, I'm going to really, uh, I'm not going to be able to integrate anything for like the next week. Yeah. Do, do you, um, um, do you, have you read Kurt Thompson, his, his stuff? I have. Yeah. He's yeah. a friend. Of, he's a good friend of ours. He is. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you can ask him if he'd come on the Habit podcast. I would be happy to ask him. Yeah. That his, his way of talking about integration and, and disintegration, I think is super helpful. I do too. It's made the most sense to me of anything. Maybe that's because I'm an artist and because that in his heart, he's really a poet, you know, he's a writer uh-huh. and a psychiatrist, but really he's, he's got an artist heart and yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because that's how God does it. I don't know. Maybe we're all, maybe we're all longing for that in some way. Yeah. I think that's right. All right. Thanks, Jill. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. Good to see you. Good to see you. This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Special thanks as well to Taylor Linhart for letting us use her song Diamonds as the theme music for season three of The Habit Podcast. You can learn more about Taylor and follow her work at taylorlinhart.com. The Habit membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co.